There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you, Brother McVeigh, for allowing me the opportunity to preach on your podcast. I want to go to the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. When the Bible speaks of perceiving anything, it speaks of understanding. And men oftentimes do not appreciate the message of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That message they do not appreciate because they do not understand the love of God. When we speak of love in the word of God, love is the very nature of God. The Bible says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The Bible tells us that love is an action word. It tells us that love is an action word. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can we say that we love the people of God and love God if we see our brothers in need and we do not help them? Verse 18 My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. A lot of folks, they'll tell you that they love you. And there's a lot of people that know how to tell you that they love you. They know how to articulate the words. But as far as love and a reality, they do not understand how to love and they do not love. And the commandment that God gives us here in the book of 1 John is let us love indeed. That is an action. And in truth, let our love be real. Let our love be without dissimulation. So love is an action word. God himself taught us how to love whenever he died upon the cross of Calvary. He said in 1 John 3, 16, 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He is our example. Love was manifested on Calvary. God's very nature is love. God always has love. When God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost were in eternity past together, they loved perfectly. But when we saw What happened to Jesus Christ on Calvary? God was manifesting that eternal love upon the cross of Calvary. Love 
is the very outcome of God's love to us. Whenever we've experienced the love of God, whenever God has manifested his love to us and we have seen it, many Christians, every Christian that's ever been born of God, rather, will love just as God himself loved. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible said, for the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when you've been born of God and you have the Spirit of God living on the inside, you, you will love. The Apostle Paul said that I need not to write an epistle to teach you how to love, for you are taught of God to love. And we are taught of God to love. The very born-again nature of the Christian that lives on the inside of us, by nature, loves. When we read in the Word of God, we see a story about Hosea and Gomer. Hosea was the great prophet of God, his wife, Gomer. And God told him, I want you to go marry a wife that's a prostitute. And she's going to go out and she's going to find other lovers and she's going to cheat on you, but you're going to love her anyways. And by the end of that, God told him that that love that he will love his wife with will be the same love that he loved God loved Israel with. And Hosea went out one day, his wife, a prostitute, an ungodly woman. He went out and he purchased his wife, purchased her as a prostitute and brought her back to her home. And he loved her. And that is a picture of the love of God towards sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet without strength, Christ died for us. While we were in our sin, Christ died for us. And I want to talk just for a few minutes on how we can perceive the love of God. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. So how can we perceive the love of God? We can perceive the love of God when we understand our own wickedness. We can perceive the love of God when we understand our own ungodliness. Mark 7, 20 through 23, the Bible says, And Jesus said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. From, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things, all these evil things, rather, come from within and defile the man. For us to understand the love of God, we have to understand the very depths of our heart. Jesus himself said that the depths of our heart are ungodliness. Jesus himself said that the depths of our heart were evil. Jesus himself said that the depths of our heart loved sin. Many people deceive themselves into thinking that they do not love sin. The Bible said that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all else. Who can know it? The Bible said, I, the Lord, try the heart. And the Bible said that the God of heaven tries the reins. And what? To seek out what is in our heart to give us according to our ways. That our hearts are very deceitful and man deceives himself into thinking that he does pretty well. 
Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the Bible said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Those are the things that are in our flesh. He said, of such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he said, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified by the Spirit of our God. And he tells us that in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9, that we are ungodly. That was the state that we were in. The Bible said, Wherefore, in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Wherefore, we also in times past had our conversations in the lust of the flesh, to, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The Bible said, but God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, wherewith he had loved us, he has sent us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How can we understand the love of God? We have to understand the very depths of our wickedness. Most people measure themselves, and they measure themselves not based on God's measurement, but based on their own measurement. And when we look out across our societies, when we look out across our churches and we begin to measure ourselves, many people can measure themselves based on other church members and they think that they're doing pretty well. And most people can measure themselves based on society and they think that they're doing pretty well. And most people can measure themselves based on their own family. When they look at their family, they can see all manner of sin and ungodliness and they measure themselves based on their own family, and they say, well, I must be doing pretty well. But what does the Word of God say? The Word of God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And But when we measure ourselves based on our own selves, based on our own thinking, a lot of times we mess it all up. But we have to measure ourselves based on what God says, based on the Word of God, and when we see that, we will begin to understand the very depths of our heart. A lot of folks, they think that they do pretty well because they don't uh, do a lot of outward sins. You can go to the average Baptist church today, and as long as you don't cuss, and as long as you don't drink liquor, and as long as you don't commit fornication or adultery, you seem to be doing very fine. But God has a lot of inward sins, a lot of uh, sins of the heart that are very much a grief to him. God's measurement is a measurement of perfection. He said that if you fulfill the whole law and you offend in one little point, you're guilty of all of it. God's measurement is a measurement of perfection. And if you don't keep the entire law of God, you deserve to go to hell and you belong in hell for that. A lot of times we're guilty of comparing ourselves to others when we should be guilty of comparing ourselves to the word of God. Isaiah 55, 6, the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his 
thoughts. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. The Bible said, let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. A lot of times we don't want to see that we're ungodly. But if we look in the word of God and agree with the word of God, we will begin to see the very depths of our sin. And when we see the depths of our sin, we can begin to perceive the love of God. Not only that, we can perceive and understand the love of God when we can understand how God really thinks about us. Uh, in the book of Psalms 53, verse 2, the Bible says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. The Bible said in verse 3, every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. That is what God thought about man when he looked down from heaven. When God looked down from heaven, he saw a world that was filled with violence and sin. When God looked down from heaven, he looked at a world that was full of self-righteousness. When God looked down from heaven, he looked at a world full of adulterers and perverts and fornicators and idolaters. When God looked down from heaven, he looked down upon a world full of selfish men that did not love, that loved themselves more than loved God. They loved themselves more than loved their neighbors. And as a result, when God looked down upon the children of men, he said, there's none that doeth good. And when we begin to understand what God's thoughts are about us, we can begin to perceive the love of God. Genesis 8, 21, the Bible said, and this is after the flood in Noah's day, and God dried up the earth and God promised Noah things. This is one of the promises that God made to Noah. The Bible said, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more. Every living thing as I have done. God's perception of man, when he looked down from heaven, he looked down upon the children of men and he said they're evil from their youth. I remember but being a little child growing up in the house of God, I got to sit under men that knew God and preached preached the word of God and walked with God and had the power of God, yet I, I was very little concerned about my soul, very little concerned about loving God, very little concerned about loving my pastor, very little concerned about the church, very little concerned about ever reading my Bible because my heart was set on evil from my very youth, from my, my very childhood, my heart was set on fornications and ungodliness. From my very childhood, my heart was set upon evil imaginations. And yet my heart deceived me many times into thinking that I was a righteous person and that I was a good man. There was no good in the very depths of my soul. The only thing good that ever happened to me is what Jesus did on Calvary. The only thing good that ever happened to me is what Jesus did for me when I was born again. But my very thoughts and my imagination from my very youth were evil. And God's perception of me was that very thing. It was that very thing. 
that my heart and my imagination was set on evil. I heard the testimony of a man that as just a little child, when he began to be convicted of the Lord, he said, God, would you leave me alone? Why would a man say such a thing as that? Because that man's heart is very evil from his youth, and God understands the wickedness of our hearts. God perceives the wickedness of our imaginations. And as a result, we must understand what God thinks about us. Not only that, Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible tells us in the word of God, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit, and the poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before for their eyes. Now we know that uh, the things, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. This is when God looked down from heaven and he perceived man. This is what he saw the wickedness of man. The Bible tells us that God is angry with the wicked every day. That's what God thinks about man. The Bible tells us that God hateth all the workers of iniquity. God's angry with the wicked. The Bible said the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So when we understand God's thoughts about us and we, when we understand really the depths of our own wickedness, then we look at the cross of Calvary. The Bible said, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Romans chapter five, verse six, the Bible tells us, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't because we were good. It wasn't because we were deserving. God looked down upon us and he understood the wickedness of our hearts. When we begin to understand the very wickedness of our soul, we could then look upon the cross of Calvary and see a God dying for the sins of the whole world. God dying for ungodly sinners. A God that died for the ungodly woman that came by the well one day. A God that died for Zacchaeus that was an ungodly tax collector. A God that died for an ungodly fisherman named Peter. A God that died for an ungodly man named David in the word of God. A God that died for sinners just like me and you. That's when we begin to understand the love of God. Because God's thoughts toward us were with wrath and judgment. The Bible said, he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 9, 
through 18, it tells us that Jesus Christ was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. The Bible tells us also along those lines, here in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible said, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. How was Jesus Christ made perfect through sufferings? That word perfection speaks of completion. It speaks of the final state of a thing. When Jesus Christ was walking upon this earth, he was our example. But he had not gone to Calvary yet. But when Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he was made our sacrifice. When Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he was made our substitute. If you take a caterpillar and it, as it goes into the cocoon, that caterpillar is not in its final state. But as it enters into the cocoon and comes out at the appointed time, it comes out as a butterfly. And let me tell you, it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing to look at the appearance of a butterfly and children marvel at them and adults begin to marvel at them as well. And let me tell you something, it's a beautiful thing to understand that when Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he died upon the cross. His soul was made an offering for sin. He went into the lower parts of the earth. He was made our offering. The Bible said that his soul was made an offering for sin. He went down into the lower parts of the earth and his body went down into the grave. But on the third day, he came up out of the grave, just like that caterpillar went into the cocoon and just like that caterpillar was there for the appointed time. He came out as a butterfly. Let me tell you something. When Jesus came up out of the grave, he exited the grave as our salvation. He exited the grave as our redemption. He exited the grave as our sanctification. As he exited the grave, he came out as our great high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible tells us that he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when we see what Jesus Christ did for us ungodly sinners, then we can begin to perceive the love of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 18, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We can understand the love of God when we understand how wicked we are. We can understand the love of God when we understand how condemned we are by God. We can understand the love of God when we see Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary dying for the sins of the whole world. Bless you and have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com. 
and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.